Good morning, I'm Sean. I'm Carly. And this is Higher Orbit. I love that intro music. Yeah. <laughs> we got Nelson BC in the house tonight. Oh, this morning. Oh my gosh. What yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> nine in the morning. Yeah, obviously I haven't had enough coffee, Carly. <laughs> it's also kind of dark in here, nighttime vibes. Yeah, yeah. but we have um, our homie Walker. He's the uh, chief operations officer. Did chief, I get that? Commercial? Chief commercial officer. Commercial. I thought I had it. <laughs> I'm really oh, bad see, with I wrote, I wrote it down wrong. That's Did why. Yeah. <laughs> All good. We'll get over that one. Um, good to have you in today, man. And uh, welcome to Toronto. Thank you. I got in a couple nights ago um, and familiarizing myself with the boroughs and traffic <laughs> and have quickly learned that travel time ranges, I think it was seven kilometers that I had to travel this morning. And wow. the Google Maps was telling me estimate between 20 and 45 minutes of travel. It was crazy, man. Yeah. I'm from here. Like I was late for this podcast. The first one ever <laughs> that I've ever been late for. And we've done about 25 now. And it was just, yeah, we won't get into it. But Toronto yeah. is ridiculous right now with all the construction and all that. So have you spent any time in Toronto other than this time? I was here, uh, a little over you know, a little over two years ago, and I uh, was here for about a month, so started to kind of get used to everything, kind of getting back in. I wasn't responsible for driving for sure. myself around last time. I think that was the key difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That always helps. That always I don't helps. drive you can here. Be doing something else while you're driving is a lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk Woody Nelson. Like, we, we've done really well with this brand. Uh, I love Woody Nelson. It. Love, love Woody Nelson. Um, the Rainbow Driver has been a store favorite. We had that flight of joints, you know, the one with the, the different. Flight 420. That's it. Flight mm. 420. Um, really Rainbow great. Driver. Yeah. Really, really awesome branding. Uh, really crushed it. Where, where does the Woody Nelson, where does, where does that come from? Do you, can you tell us a little bit more about, about where that came from and the idea of it? Absolutely. Uh, so the official answer to that question is that we are based in the town of Nelson and surrounded by trees, hence the woodsy. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's yeah. as simply as it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, when we were coming up with the, the name for our, our cannabis brand and also the name of our LP, we we had a connection to the town we wanted to represent for the Nelson uh, area, the Kootenai region. And so it was really important that we had <clears throat> that in our name. Okay. But when we were kind of workshopping a bunch of different names, uh, you know, somebody tossed out, hey, what about Woody Nelson? And everybody laughed really hard for <laughs> what I think are some pretty evident reasons. And uh, and it just kind of stuck. Um, you know, we kept talking about it. We kept laughing about it. And it just seemed like one of those things where if we're having fun, there's a good chance other people are going to have fun with it. Yeah, thing. no, even the boxes that the product come in are fun. Like, <laughs> And the graphic, I really like all the little um, illustrations and little stuff doodles. with uh, the doodles at the um, Instagram. And, and I think there's like, is it a, uh, a hot air balloons? Do I see hot air balloons sometimes? My parachutes. Is it parachutes? parachutes? Okay, I was wrong. Okay, so I was close. <laughs> yeah. I was close, but I think it's great graphics. What does SSOG stand for? I'm just holding this uh, beautiful ounce you brought me over here, and I was curious before I open it. SSOG has a bit of a story. So it's just the name of uh, the genetic as we had it in the legacy market. Okay. And it's a cross of Sunset Sherbert and High Octane OG. So just kind of mashing those up. Okay. We had originally, um, we thought that a a slightly more descriptive name might help it, uh, you know, in the marketplace. Um, Not looking to rename, but looking to Mm -hmm. kind of just help the, the consumer, your average customer, understand what they were getting. And, uh, and we actually held uh, a contest on Reddit, a naming contest, where it's like, hey, here's our new genetic. It's Sunset Sherbert crossed with high-octane OG. 
um, tell us what you think it should be called. And the number call one... Call it what it is. <laughs> well, the number one vote was Sunset Overdrive, which we thought oh, was a pretty okay. sweet name. Yeah, yeah. And That's a great one. Yeah. That's good. I like that. I like that. Well, it, it kind of it incorporated the, the base genetics, but also incorporated some of the what you might kind of feel like a sunset overdrive uh, gives you the sense that something that's stronger and mm -hmm. you know, whatnot. Anyway, we submitted that to Health Canada and Health Canada came back and said, hey, no, sunsets appeal to kids. No way. <laughs> like, come wait, on. What? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So that obviously confused us a little. And um, and we looked in the marketplace and there are a lot of other products uh, with the name sunset in them already. So we pointed this out. I'm surprised you got away with rainbow. Rainbow. Rainbow well, driver. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm yeah. super impressed with all the information that you guys put on the package. Yeah. I always have been. Thank it you. also um, feels really good. Like, I, it feels tell, really nice. Without, like, I want to say, too, like as a bud tender, like it's refreshing that I know what's in your guys' jars is actually really good. Um, like reliable, you mean, Carla? Yeah, you can count like it's on these reliable guys to, like, and it's consistent. I'm skeptical of a lot of flour on the market, to be honest. And yeah, I was, I'm impressed every time I see a, a jar of the rainbow. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Consistency. Uh, like one genuinely. of the most challenging parts in the, not just the, the cult on the cultivation side, but also on the product side. Right. And uh, one of the things like with almost every crop that we've had, something's gone sideways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, compressors in the HVAC blowing up, uh, mm -hmm. something with the lighting was funky or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and if we oh. felt compelled to, we put of kind of ignored what happened and continued on with the same products. So I'll give you an example. We had uh, yep. um, one issue in a crop this summer that resulted in some Glade Runner that were smaller buds. Okay. And if we had just said like, all right, you know what? Smaller buds is smaller buds. We're just going to keep filling those three and a half gram jars. We would have gone from that standard where there's, you know, two, three, maybe four buds in a jar mm -hmm. to like on average five, six buds in a jar. Yeah. That's in my mind, uh, a decrease in product quality and product value. And so if we don't kind of adapt to that on the product side, uh, we're not doing, mm. do, we're not doing justice by the customer. For sure. So, I did notice on that bag, you wrote smalls though, correct? Yeah. I think, so, which is good, but at least you're being like transparent with that. So what we did yeah. in that case was we thought, well, we've been waiting for an opportunity to launch a, a more budget friendly format. Why don't we launch an ounce of smalls? Mm. There you go. And yeah. so like we offered it at a more budget friendly price. You don't have to deal with the stem. Like there's people mm -hmm. like, including that's myself. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's like, a big I small. A couple bugs. I'm like, honestly, they're not even that small. And like, it's all organic, correct? Organic yeah. living soil. It's Beauty. important to say that we haven't gone after the organic uh, certification yet. Okay. Um, we're familiar with the process. We're familiar with the qualifications. We're confident mm -hmm. that we Fair qualify. Um, we just haven't made the time to actually get the certification yet. Fair enough. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's cool. Oh, it smells so good. Yeah, when you crack the bud, <laughs> you get like this like creamy Rainbow lemon driver. gas vibe. That's what I kind of get. And that's the SSOG open? Yeah, the SSOG. Kind of like, yeah. uh, like a creamy lemon gas. That's yeah. kind of what I get out of it. But we'll the, see. One of the ways that it's been described is as an old fashioned. And that the, the gassiness is almost like a boozy gas, like a, like a whiskey. And, uh, and then you got the citrus that comes from like the orange peel. It smells really interesting. I'm looking forward to give it a try. I was going to roll up a little bit here. Yeah, by all means. Um, I feel like you guys, you also have a longer cure time than average in the industry from what I've observed. It looks oh, like really? 23 days. I didn't notice that. I feel like most of the time I see like 14 days or like at takes, longest. Take longer. a little more time so, with the process, put a little good. more love into it. <laughs> yeah. 
in our understanding, the, the current meta of quality cannabis places a huge emphasis on nose and flavor. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that nose and flavor will come from genetics and things like LSO, mm. but it also, uh, like a lot of that complexity and flavor develops um, during the cure. For sure. So this is something that uh, we've put a lot of kind of thought into and also in understanding. We've developed some uh, some cure mechanisms. Uh, we've designed a fancy drying room that uh, helps evenly uh, remove the moisture. There's just there's okay, a lot cool. of kind of thought and science that goes into it. And it's, it's a really interesting thing for us because it's one of those parts of... Uh, cannabis production that is perhaps more art than science right now. And so we get to kind of dig in and the more that we learn, the more it becomes science than art. Sweet. <laughs> I'm having so much fun with you guys this morning. This feels like uh, an extra special episode. Just uh, <laughs> having our homies here from the West Coast and I get to, to co-host with Carly. Um, yeah. Hello. Yeah. Charlie's not here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Charlie today. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. um, Can I you guess pass so me that bag? Yeah, you wanted. You hadn't seen the SSOG yet. Take a quick peek of that, Carly. I'm about, we'll we'll take uh, take her for a spin at the break here. Um, so it's my understanding that you guys are going to be maybe the first to market with a, a hash hole. Am I correct? Yeah, so I'm not going to say that it's going to be us first to market oh, because I want to give uh, a lot of credit, if not almost all of it, to Terrence Lee. Okay, so fair enough. Terrence is the. Um, the individual, the, the joint roller extraordinaire, um, he's, uh, I think started off as a bud tender manager now with Burb, um, and has been around the, the Vancouver, uh, heady scene for, uh, for a minute. Cool. Um, he is widely regarded as one of the best joint rollers, like just around, um, smoking his joints are sincere pleasure. And anyway, uh, we've had this concept of since like getting production up and running and all that kind of stuff, um, becoming a licensed LP, becoming a licensed processor, huge barrier to entry. The, the right. amount of cash mm -hmm. that's needed, the amount of uh, expertise, et cetera, et cetera. And what ends up happening is a lot of our industry's best makers aren't really given an opportunity or a path to market mm. because just because you have millions of dollars does not make you an excellent, uh, you know, creator of cannabis products. Mm -hmm. Just because you're an excellent creator of cannabis products doesn't necessarily mean that you have millions of dollars. Yeah, you got so it. for us, creating a platform for what we're calling micro brands, um, where someone like a Terrence can come to our facility, uh, exist within our quality assurance system, and uh, and where we can take care of all the admin, the paperwork, and basically just put him in an environment where he can do what he really wants to do, cool. which in this case was rolling some epic uh, jelly hash holes. Yum. Um, was, you know, a half gram rosin core, one and a half grams of flour uh, in okay. elements papers with a glass uh, spiral filter tip. It's um, arguably the nicest joint or it's the nicest joint that I've ever seen <laughs> enter the regulated market. I, I would exciting. love to see kind yeah. of what else is part of that caliber of uh, of joints, and, and we'll put them side by side. But I, I couldn't be more excited for his work. I like yeah. the sounds of the spiral glass tip. It sounds nice. From my understanding, there's no other way to do a hash hole, like to do a, a slug or an infused uh, rosin donut joint. They all have to be hand rolled, right? I think that at some point in the next, call it five to ten years, someone yeah. will figure it out. And <laughs> I've had some thoughts on this, but okay. um, until then, yeah, hundred percent. This is a handmade product. The only way to do it. And uh, is Terrence gonna yeah. so he's rolling every single one? Yeah, that's fucking sick. Yeah. I yeah, can't wait. Awesome. Like, is it just in BC or are they gonna make it their way to Ontario? Do you know? I would say probably too just for, <laughs> too early to know. <laughs> There's probably only so just, many joints he can roll. 
I'll need you guys to send me one because I, I mean, I'm intrigued. At least maybe, maybe you can mail me one. I'll, uh, we can I'll work something out. <laughs> the the challenge is, I think he rolled about 300 of them over a weekend, and this was uh, we had to take some time to kind of understand the process, set up the process, and then mm. get him kind of humming along. Right. And so the next time he'll do it, he'll be able to create more. And if uh, if there is some scalability here, perhaps he can bring in some helpers with him and kind of streamline the process. So there's definitely a way to kind of build this up. But uh, right now, like PC's direct delivery program is mm. perfect for a SKU like this. There is no, like, there's an approval process by the LDB only so far as to make sure that you haven't kind of screwed anything up. Right. It's not them saying whether or not you deserve a SKU. Got as it. long as you've kind of checked all the boxes for a proper product, they give you the SKU and you can then go sell it nice. to retailers. And, like, and, and within 30 days. So like fresh and oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I wish we had that. Is so important, man. We really need yeah. that shit here. Like it's uh, it's disappointing that we we don't have that in Ontario. It's really yeah. Unfortunate. It's funny. We'll get orders like we'll get a different batch of something that has like a month's prior package date than the last batch we had in. Sometimes it's really frustrating. It's very like you'll strange. Get, like we'll go through something and it'll be a lot that did really well and everybody loved it and then all of a sudden we'll get a box after that that's like older and it's yeah. a different lot and you're like. Wait what a second. <laughs> not only is it not the lot that was doing well, it's an older, like, kind of not as, you know, yeah. tasty, we'll say, I think flavor is affected the most when it waits yeah. that long. It yeah. just sits Rotation in a warehouse. could be yeah. improved at the OCS. I, I actually realize this is one of my favorite things, and it is, like, I don't know if you recognize that, that would oh, be yeah. Nelson I Poker. Do. Yeah, I, I love the that poker. this was great, because a lot of the stuff that people give out is just junk, but it's Comes just, like, it's such a class little... Class little tool, like, if I yeah. even just sit on the table like that, it just looks really nice. You can poke any kind of size of joint. Um, and it has your little the little stamp on the end, the Woody Nelson. I don't know. So to show that, I realized I was like, love that piece. So, <laughs> so I was looking over there as you were packing that joint, like, what is that nice little tool that looks familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know the story behind this tool? Yeah, Please. go for okay. it, man. Uh, so my first stop in the cannabis industry was with Village Bloomery pre-legalization, a little cannabis shop um, in Vancouver. And I remember thinking, now that cannabis is going to be legalized, we're going to have a bunch of awesome accessories and other cool products because now there's going to be like a bunch of companies that jump in and start to try and solve the problems that kind of customers and consumers are, are dealing with. And, and I was very excited for a poker stick because like I had used chopsticks, I had used like pens and pencils and like whatever, mm -hmm. we've all been through it. And I just wanted something simple, like straightforward and functional. Mm -hmm. And then Raw came out with their gold poker stick that came on this little hemp necklace. And I was like, you know, a little bit much for me, but like, you know, <laughs> close enough. Cool. Yeah. And then I go look at the price tag. It's 25 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, there's a difference between solving the problems of the customers and the consumers and taking advantage of them. And that felt like the latter. Yeah, totally, man. hundred percent. So um, it's a really cool tool. And I don't know. I think it looks really nice. And yeah. I no, it's, I got it for free, it's perfect. So it's yeah. So by the time somebody kind of put me in a position where I could do something about it, um, I went and looked and Cost like 75 cents to make. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. <laughs> so it was, research it was really easy for us. Um, we made a few thousand. We'll make a few thousand more. And it's just, yeah, uh, happy you enjoyed it. Yeah. You should do like a rainbow, like titanium version. Oh, Like a metallic rainbow kind I'll of thing. The rainbow driver nod or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Would you like to know my design idea for version two? Yeah. yeah. yeah go for it, man. If okay. you can share. So... The idea is to put a dab tool down the middle Ooh. and almost ha and have a magnetic clasp halfway up so it kind of unsheaths like a sword. 
Oh, that's sick, man. Amazing. I really like that idea. That's Thank great, you. dude. Um, <laughs> I look forward to getting one. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, what? Uh, when can we expect these ounce bags? Like, I really think that there's some good value in here. Mm. I'm like, try pulling on this. I'm like, are they coming to Ontario? January. Okay, nice. awesome. And how much will they be? Do you know roughly? That's an excellent question. You can get back to me. No worries. No, so I'll explain part of what we're seeing because I think it's interesting in BC, the wholesale markup by the LDB is 15%. In Ontario, on uh, flour, it's 23%. Okay. So a higher wholesale markup would theoretically lead to higher prices. Mm -hmm. However, the Ontario retail market seems to be more competitive, perhaps more stores per uh, consumer kind of thing. And we're seeing, and also a lot of chains that are taking the approach of uh, lowest price. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, um, we're seeing a lot of our products that we would naturally expect to be more expensive in Ontario are actually cheaper. Um, I'll give you an example. The Flight 420, our pack of pre-rolls, the sampler pack in BC sells for about 20 bucks. That was kind of the point. Yeah. And and we had kind of done the math specifically so that retailers could have a 50% markup and like, you know, make some money. Yeah. And make it attractive for them to carry it. Yeah. And so to our surprise, the market price of the Flight 420 in Ontario is closer to $18. Interesting. And so there's a lot of stores who are picking it up and putting, you know, the bare minimum markup on it. Yeah. Um, Not and, realizing that it's something that they that you've kind of left out for them to just kind of take advantage of and make a couple extra bucks like this organic yeah. craft flight of joints. Like, um, I agree. I totally agree with you. I thought it was priced really um, aggressively cheap. Well, and, yeah. Yeah, well. And I think we had it right around where you said. Yeah, I think we had it at around 21 20. or 22. Yeah. Around there, which is fine. Right? Like, and it's like, like good quality. So it's like. It's people will buy it. And it's, who doesn't like a yeah. flight these days? Like I feel like it's so in trend, especially with a with somebody who comes in looking for a pre roll. It's yeah. like why not take three different ones? And you don't need to commit to three of the same kind of thing for mm -hmm. somebody who's a little more casual and not like smoking all the time, right? And if you're looking to kind of test out a brand for the first time, being able to try like each of their yeah. and then say like, oh, you know what? I really like the the SSLG or I really like the Rainbow Driver. That's what I'm going to go buy my three and a half of, or that's what I'm going to go buy the twenty eight. And uh, so it kind of made sense to us for that reason. I, I think it also made sense to the consumer because it quickly became our best-selling product in Ontario, um, flying off the shelves so much so that uh, we... Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite of the of the of all the cultivars yourself? Or <laughs> Depends on the time of day and the mood. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> I, enough. I feel like a, a parent being asked which of their kids is their favorite. Um, it's like, yeah, it depends on the time of day. But um, no, the Rainbow Driver for me is a great daytime smoke. Yeah. Uh, SSOG tends to be uh, my before bedtime smoke. Okay. And Glade Runner is my current favorite and uh, and what I tend to do after a long day. <laughs> Glade Runner uh, is definitely my favorite. I like the flavor. I really like um, like the Z-Terps kind of on the, on the Rainbow Driver. I find mm -hmm. that you guys really nail that. And a lot of people don't have uh, a good iteration of those that kind of terpene profile. So I'm a yeah. big fan of that. I agree, daytime smoke. It's like, I feel like I smoke it all the time. Um, and I guess we're gonna check out this SSOG right now and I'll I'll get back to you. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be right back with Walker from Woody Nelson. Sheesh is the official beverage of Higher Orbit. Don't forget, it's a little early for me to have a sheesh, but don't forget, <laughs> it's delicious. We'll be drinking it soon. Back at the shop, Queen Street West, 
We got Nelson BC in the house. We got Walker <laughs> from Woody Nelson. SSOG got me feeling nice. Yeah. <laughs> Carly did not partake. I did not partake. That's okay. Yeah. It's a little early for you. I get it. Yeah, it was also cold outside. It's, yeah, it's pretty it's chilly. Mainly why. It's pretty chilly. <laughs> I'm finding it, though, to be a very functional buzz, and I'm not like during the headlights. I'm like confident to talk with you guys right now. So that's always a good thing, especially when it comes to daytime smoke, right? That's one of the things that I noticed with LSO or maybe our LSO, but really? it never gave me that kind of fogginess that uh, you know might take me out of a productive mood. Super okay. clean, super mm. clean smoke, super smooth, really white ash. Uh, I'm impressed for like a big bag offering like that. I don't know, man. Golf ball good. sized nugs too. Still, yeah, it yeah. says smalls, but they were still about, about golf. So yeah, the smalls one I saw was about a quarter, so that's big. So so we have this kind of idea of using the whole plant. Yeah. And uh, when we are kind of breaking the plant down and putting it into different products, we have the top colas, which are often larger than three and a half. Um, so to break those down and put mm-hmm. them in a three and a half gram jar just doesn't make a lot of sense. So we want to find a home for them. Yeah, we decided to come sense. up with two products. One was our uh, payloads, which is just all giant nugs, which was the Glade Runner that you saw. Yeah. And then we also have uh, what we're calling our booster packs, which is premium smalls with a big surprise. And that big surprise is one of those big chunky buds right on top. Nice. Um, below that, so anything that's smaller than three and a half, but it's still a large bud size, that's what we put in our three and a halves. Anything that's like smaller than that, that we either use to complement the big nug in the three and a half or goes in these bags. Mm-hmm. Anything smaller than that goes into a pre-roll. You do some processing Sweet. too, right? Is my understanding you're doing some uh, some diamonds and sauce, or like some some concentrates coming to market as well? Yeah. So the solventless stuff that we do in house yeah. is done by High Fidelity. Oh, um, okay, cool. Yeah. So it's a it's a team that uh, they existed on the the legal market, uh, sorry, the the legacy side, and then uh, we brought them through to the regulated side, and uh, and they've just a, a perfect example of what we we're talking about before with uh, with the micro brands. Um, They've just, they're so doing... you partnered up with somebody instead of figuring out all the stuff your, yourselves. You're like, wow, we'll just bring these guys online. We'll work with them and have them make our top quality products and make it <laughs> into some really nice concentrates and extracts. Yeah. And I, I think there's also a bit of a, a family element to to this in that uh, we're all kind of friends and, and have been friends before, uh, you know, we started cool. Woody Nelson. Okay. Um, so one of the founders of... Uh, High Fidelity is also happens to be one of our head growers, right? Um, and uh, and Kate, uh, who is the the hash maker extraordinaire, she also does a bunch of work on the Woody Nelson side, helping with quality and uh, and things like that. So um, there's a lot of kind of overlap here and kind of working together. Shout but... out to the team, man. It's important. <laughs> Not like one person can do this stuff. So you need a good team behind you. So yeah, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also shout out to the third member of the Hi Fi team, Don. Um, the three of them kind of came together. Uh, built Hi-Fi, we just kind of provided them with a platform to launch Hi-Fi into the regulated space, and they've arrived to tremendous fanfare. Like, the drops are selling out in the first hour. Wow. Um, you know, people are saying that some of the best uh, solventless in the market. Just, it's pretty cool. Yeah, this is the Afghan peach oh, sauce cool. and diamonds. Diamonds yeah. and sauce. It smells, it smells like peaches. What, really, eh, Carly Boomer? Would you like that one? Yeah. It smells good? I'll pass it over so you can take a peek. Yeah, I haven't heard of High Fidelity yet, um, and it's coming to Ontario soon. You mentioned. Yeah, I really uh, like this package. This is cool. Like the little sleeve. Yeah, I like that a lot. High Fidelity. Okay, I've seen this. Uh, I've seen. I've seen these guys around too. Some some people at West. That's really cool. Oh, it just stays in there. I guess. Yeah, I thought it came off too, but. 
it oh, does come crazy. off. You just got to kind of pop. It's got it really okay. <laughs> Technically, Whoa. it's not supposed to come off, so gotcha. we can't have something that like just falls off. Yeah, yeah. But you can remove it if you want it. I like that. There's like a nice amount of sauce in here. I yeah. find sometimes when people are like, "It's diamonds and sauce." It's like a little lacking, but yeah, no wonder it stinks like peaches because so yeah. much sauce in there. It smells great. That's yeah. awesome. It's uh, awesome. The first time I tried it, I was blown away. Um, it's made with outdoor as opposed to uh, the Rainbow Driver rosin that they that was okay. their first drop, which is from our indoor uh, Rainbow Driver flower. And for I, I, there's some folks out there who might think that there's a big quality difference between outdoor and indoor, but uh, that quality difference, if it exists at all, really starts to diminish uh, when you're talking about rosin. And uh, mm. so for them to have created such a high quality product out of outdoor really shows the opportunity. And uh, and it's a lot cheaper to grow uh, outdoor. So mm. being able to kind of expand the, the products that are available as inputs or sorry, the flour that's available as inputs, but also making the products more affordable for consumers. There's a good chance that we will continue to do some indoor rosin, but a lot of our uh, kind of rosin products that we put out there will probably be from outdoor material. Yeah, cool. my understanding is it's just like... Um, you can just make it more cost-effective, right? Yeah, now, ultimately. a little bit more and sustainable, I guess, too. And you can get some really good flavor still from sun-grown stuff that you yeah. just can't exactly. get inside. For so, sure. Um, that's awesome, man. Um, so you're saying the last one was a rosin. This is a diamonds and sauce. Is that the progression, too? Or Yeah, so the, the rosin is kind of what High Fidelity was known for. Got but it. They were also known for kind of pushing the the boundaries on what you could do with solventless. And so the... Uh, I don't know if they're the first to introduce solventless diamonds and sauce onto the rec side, but uh, but probably among the first. And um, I think solventless diamonds themselves are going to be on the way as well. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably come up with some other cool new stuff too. That's crazy. I, I've heard about solventless diamonds. I don't quite understand how that works, but I guess we'll have to say that for another episode. I don't know yeah. if you know anything about it. Any plans to do like any edibles or anything? Yes. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer. But we have, uh, so there's a great community within not just Nelson, but the Kootenai region of people who have been making this kind of stuff for, for years, decades. Right. And uh, some of the best edibles that I've ever had come from that community. So these individuals um, who are incredibly talented at what they do have all that kind of uh, the recipes and all that kind of sorted out. They just need a space to kind of do their craft. Um, to scale that up, we're probably going to have to invest in some equipment and, uh, and you know, turn it into a whole thing. But once we do that, we can produce edibles. And so I don't think it'll be a 2024 activity, but I'd be surprised if we got through 2025 without doing production of edibles. That's so fun. That's awesome. And probably something strain specific. Oh, yeah, I like, was going to say, are you going to go the full spec route or what are you thinking? That's a good question. So Lo-Fi, our CBD brand has been all about full spectrum. We kind of really embrace that, uh, that approach to formulation and the entourage effect. Cool. I suspect that we do something similar for, uh, on that side, uh, one of the products that is really interesting on, in that category for us is rosin infused. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a few on the market already. Yeah. Uh, they taste great, like really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And when rosin is produced, you're extracting a very limited amount of the actual terpenes and uh, and THC from the plant. Like if you have like a three percent yield, yes, um, mm. you know there's still a lot of other stuff that you didn't capture, right? And if there's a way to recapture that and then use it for something like edibles, then you're able to make rosin more cost effectively, and you can also use a really high uh, quality input for something like edibles. Interesting. Interesting. I haven't so heard kind of more that. like a broad spectrum. Kind of approach, I think, maybe? Sheesh, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Had to say it. 
<laughs> Sorry to be tacky, guys. Why not? Why not? Um, no, I think that that's incredible if they could find a way to unlock, unlock, you know, those leftover cannabinoids within the plant after you've already extracted the rosin, I guess, and then mm-hmm. you're still left with, I guess, like you're saying, leftover material, leftover kinda. heads and stuff that you could turn into. Um, much like when you, I guess, when you vape weed, you know, some people make edibles with it after. Yeah. Right? Similar thing, you know, it gets all brown and weird. If you don't know this, you can. It, it, it works or whatever. Um, I think you just need a lot more, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, after it's essentially decarbed when you vape it, you can turn it into edibles or can of butter and away you go. But, you know, I mean, I guess it's a way of maximizing, um, lack of a better term, you know, the plant. Can you yeah. pass me the pokey tool? Of course. Yeah. Here you go, Carly Boomer. I don't think it's any secret at this point that it's hard to make it in the cannabis industry. And yeah. uh, like we found that a lot of our um, efficiencies or like the, the ways that we create margin, the way that we create income is by finding, you know, more efficient ways of doing things, uh, finding ways of doing more with less and, you know, using more of the plant. Like we've, uh, in January, we have a one-to-one vape coming out that's our rainbow driver and our uh, nostalgia craft hemp oh, um, cool. uh, through butane extraction so a resin it's like we're super excited about that okay cool and and we actually just uh, recently saw the, the actual extract that came from the rainbow driver and it's incredible some of like the nicest uh, resin extract we've ever seen yeah i can see like the flavor really coming through in a resin from a rainbow driver just the, it's so strong with uh just that aroma you know so. totally we made it with our trim oh wow cool and then you're saying you're mixing it with a hemp that you guys grow as well? Yeah, so it's not a hemp that we grow. There's a really great farm in Kelowna called uh, Terroir Craft Farms okay. run by uh, Greg and, uh, and his partners. It's it's some of the nicest hemp I've seen. Actually, no, it's flat out the nicest hemp I've seen in Canada, some of the nicest hemp I've seen ever. Uh, I know that the, the craft hemp community in the United States is a little bit more advanced than where we are in Canada right now. Right. Like you're seeing some hemp that would look like you know, some of the nicest <laughs> cannabis on the shelf right now. Okay. And and for anybody who's uh, not familiar, hemp is simply cannabis with THC lower than 0.3%. So you yeah, can but, still yeah. you can still uh, get color, you can still get trichomes, you can still get terpenes. Um, our last uh, crop of this uh, craft hemp was 4% terpenes, more nice. than any of our Woody Nelson flower. Wow. That's impressive, man. Yeah. I didn't know that you could get it that high when you're talking about just hemp. So when you're... When you're talking about like large industrial hemp, the the kind of care that needs to be put into the plant isn't necessarily there. And for a lot of extraction grade products, that's fine. But if you're talking about smokable flour, like with with the standards that we have looking at this kind of stuff, you need to step it up. And I personally thought that it would take a few more years before we saw that level of quality in Canada. But this dude was introduced to me and he's like, hey, why don't you come by the farm, check out our stuff. And I was blown away. It looked like great outdoor weed. And uh and so we have, first we started with just putting that out as flour. Now we're incorporating that into uh, a vape, uh, a one-to-one vape. And um, we call it nostalgia because it kind of looks like the weed that your dad might used to smoke. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, is uh, it's pretty cool. What, yep. What's the farm? We do really well. What's the name of the farm again? The, the, the Terroir Craft Farms. Terroir Craft Farms. Awesome. No, we do really well with CBD balance customers, so we'll look out for that. Vape yeah, especially 100%. in carts, too. I feel like lately people have been asking for Asking a lot more, more for CBD. that. And it'll be great to have one that's a more full spectrum and not mm-hmm. just like an isolate yeah. mixed with terp kind of thing situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Where was I going with that? No, the hemp thing, I guess a lot of research was put into hemp, and that's probably why I developed so much. I know that the hemp industry or the CBD industry isn't what everybody thought it was going to be. Um, I mean, in the States, it's all, a lot of states are allowed to even produce in terms of cannabis. Is hemp, it's just right? hemp and CBD. You yeah. got it. And um, I haven't been to America in a long time, but um, it's everywhere there. It's like you can get yeah. CBD in a gas station, Yeah. Um, just everywhere. So I guess it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes up, but... Big time. We uh, we didn't set out to get into the CBD industry nor the hemp industry. It was when we were waiting for financing and and raising capital and uh, you know building out the facility and things like that that we basically were looking for something else to do. And uh, and we found that uh, it was I think a hemp license would take maybe two three months to get okay. versus a cannabis cultivation license. Um, you know years. Mm. Oh, okay. So we we actually tried to grow hemp um, through a partnership with another farm. Um, the hemp was really nice, but was only like three or four percent CBD, which made okay. it not marketable. Ouch. We had some big buyers lined up. Uh, they came and asked us, like, "All right, cool. So if you guys can't give us this, like, do you know anybody who has some good hemp?" And uh, so we went out into our networks, found some great hemp, uh, and brokered some deals. And over the course of I think like eighteen months. Um, sold tens of thousands of kilos of hemp. And this uh, was an cool, important man. part of our story and how we uh, helped fund the build out of our facility. And and I actually like telling this story because it kind of uh, shows a little bit of the behind the scenes of what's been happening over the last few years. Um, when the pandemic showed up, a lot of the bigger LPs um, didn't have the same budget that they had pre-pandemic. Of course. And mm. so what was maybe a $750 kilo of hemp was now like a $150 kilo of hemp. And in that kind of like transition, the the room left for brokers like us. Um, it doesn't really make sense. So in most cases, we're making introductions between the the LPs and the farmers and letting them go on their way. But when we reached out to our friends in retail and asked them, you know, how are these new lower cost CBD products doing? They said, "What are you talking about?" Like. Well, the cost of the raw materials has just dropped like dramatically. You should be seeing cheaper products, like more affordable products. Yeah. Like, nope. Nope. Huh. And I think that that is a big problem too. As far as I know too, it's like CBD, I don't think should be taxed the same as THC. And we could probably get into an argument about that. Right. And I think that that's a big part of the issue too. Right. Let's be real. Like yeah. uh, CBD tax way too much. It shouldn't be taxed the same as, as THC in my opinion, but I don't know where you stand on that. There are some regulations that could probably be updated and not ones that were made maliciously or anything like that, but ones where just like moving a decimal point or just kind of adjusting the number slightly would make a big difference. And I'll give you an example. Our first crop of craft hemp um, from terroir came in at like when they grew it, it was at uh, about 0.3% THC, which means that it's still hemp, falls within their regulations, et cetera, et cetera. Then we bring it over to our facility and we give it a nice hand trim because we want to craft it up. Yeah. And after we do that hand trim, it now clocks in at 0.5%. Oh, no. (laughs) Which means that what was grown at a hemp farm is now a cannabis product. Mm -hmm. And and so if it was a hemp product, then it would be taxed as a low THC product. And and it wouldn't incur the kind of taxes that a, that a THC product would have. Mm-hmm. But because we crossed that 0.3% threshold, now it's 0.5% THC. Now we're paying a dollar per gram, um, just like we do on our Rainbow Driver. Wow. That's it's wild. pretty backwards. 
So little <laughs> things like that. I think if Health Canada had uh, more of an awareness um, that that. I don't think that that's a, a tough kind of adjustment to the regulations to make. I think that's yeah. still within the spirit and uh, and whatnot. Um, you know, perhaps a, a THC limit of one percent yeah. would be yeah. suitable. Yeah. Um, and this is just something that I think uh, the conversation needs to be had. Because yeah. I think even at one percent, like I don't it's know, minimal. It's super minimal, especially really, if it's you know balanced with some CBD for sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. see that really affecting anybody that much differently. Is all I'm saying. To think of a question we kind of talked about it earlier was like you're talking about packaging and kind of the loopholes in getting packaging and what's easily available and what's not and i guess how that touches on sustainability as well if you want yeah. to kind of dive into that a little bit sure so with most things it starts with trauma as a child <laughs> and, uh, and having to um you know sort uh, my garbage into the many different bins to be compliant with you know, local recycling regulations and then finding out as an adult that a lot of that stuff was still ending up in the landfill. So heartbreaking. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. As a kid growing up, I remember having that moment and you're like, wait a second, my teachers and everybody have been lying yeah, to me this whole time. Right. It doesn't even matter. Sorry. Continue. No, it's that. all good. So <laughs> one of the kind of thoughts that I had when I was a child was how come these manufacturers aren't using more sustainable materials? Why are they putting this on responsibility on the consumer? Right. And so now that I am in a position to make some of those decisions, it's been top of mind. And I've also had a chance to learn why it's so difficult. Uh, so a lot of the packaging companies that uh, entered cannabis and said like, hey, you know, you all need packaging. We have packaging. Let's do some business they're dominated by plastic packaging. And I don't know if there's, you know, friendly relationships in the background between them and plastic suppliers or whatever the case may be. But I do know that when we talked to them uh, about what was available, almost everything that was reasonably priced and readily available was made from plastic. And any time that we asked about uh, more something that was more sustainable, it was almost always custom and a higher price and a longer lead time. And if you have the kind of pressures that a, a company typically has of we got to get these products made quickly and we got to get the we have to have margin, et cetera, et cetera. It's pretty obvious why people continue to defer to plastic is because it's been made so much easier. Mm -hmm. I also wonder, too, if like just as like the electric car was fought against the oil industry, like the plastic industry must be like a really like yeah. old boys club, like for sure, just like power. They must have a lot of money and power. And so they want plastic to be more readily available and cheaper mm -hmm. so that it's harder for their competitors who offer these sustainable products, I guess, to kind of get a foothold in the market. You think so? I, I do. Um, you know, I think at this point we see um, how a lot of things are kind of done behind the scenes and um, I don't think we need to ignore it. Uh, but at the same time, like for me, it just it created more motivation. It was like, all right, so you're going to make it harder for me? Fine. Watch me do it anyways. And, uh, and I appreciate so, that you guys don't even put bubble wrap in the boxes. You get too much bubble wrapped plastic. Yes. And it, I do actually appreciate it. That <laughs> I think I, it's the smallest box and it comes yeah. like all like just together and compact yeah, and it fits in just perfectly like a little puzzle. And I really enjoy that. And it yeah. still looks gorgeous. And that's how it, the, the parachute and stuff. Does anybody remember the box or package that a cell phone would come in if you bought a cell phone in like the late 90s? Yeah, totally. Like, like a shoebox, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I remember that. Like cool. the Nokia would come in it. Yeah, yeah like the good old 3390, yeah. the indestructible brick. Um, <laughs> but now, how big is a box for an iPhone? 
Um, like the size, a size of a can of cola, maybe a little it's, wider. Yeah. It's barely there. bigger than the iPhone itself. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is something that I, you know, observed over time. And, um, the theme there is minimalism in packaging. Yeah. And for us, it was just, it was sensible. It's a way where we can use the least amount of packaging to get the job done, to get the job done well. And on that note, I'm going to leave it before we take a break. I do know that if consumers do care and that your product is 50% more likely to sell if it's in sustainable packaging. Yeah. I saw Jamie posted that. on Interesting. Jamie Lipwitz. Also just a good practice in terms of storage. She was just saying, yeah, we all just need to get better at that in our industry (laughs) because there's just way too much packaging. So we can agree upon that. We got a new packaging coming up. We'll be right back (laughs) with uh, our boy Walker and Woody Nelson. Back one more time, Walker from Woody Nelson Cannabis. Walker, welcome back, buddy. Thank it's you. It's so nice getting to know you, man. Um, Likewise. You know, sometimes I know people that are guests on the show, and sometimes I don't. And then this is also like Carly and my first episode together. So yes, thanks it is. for um, um, enduring the format, and uh, and and this it makes it feel like an extra special episode. Yeah, all I'm trying to say. It feels special. I, I'm having a great time. So Starting one thing it. you brought up, and I didn't had no clue about, and you were mentioning that you use like the painted you guys did the painted green with the with the yellow um for your woody nelson jars kind of thing and painted jars aren't recyclable you're saying everything is recyclable if you try hard enough um if you do like extra process to it exactly but uh like when we were for when glass jars were first proposed to us they were proposed before high recyclability it was something Mm -hmm. that you could just toss in the blue bin and call it a day and we have since learned that when you paint a glass jar, um, it is no longer simply recyclable. If you start talking about the plastic lid as well, then it's you know a complete mixed Dang, material. Yeah. Wow, that's so disappointing. Yeah, it is very disappointing. And well, and because you can't see into a jar, or have a clear jar in cannabis, because we can't allow children to see what a cannabis flower looks like, <laughs> then we can't have recyclable jars uh, easily for packaging, which really would be the best. But that's yeah. unfortunate. I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. And one of the other big challenges with the jar for us is that unless you want to have like a fairly large jar, which would be oversized, um, there's only so much room for text on the jar itself, which means by the time you've included all the compliant information, there mm-hmm. isn't much left for telling you what's actually in the product. Yeah. So if you look at our 28 uh, gram formats where we have the room to put a bigger label on yeah, there, everything on here, we basically show off all the cool stuff that we do. Um, that's our kind of version of marketing. We're like, hey, we put all the effort into doing cool stuff. Let us just tell you about it. And uh, so when we make the switch, the shift from our three and a half gram jars to our new three and a half gram pouches, uh, we will have space for that big label. And so that you can actually see all the cool stuff that we're doing. That's impressive, man. Thank I you. love that you guys are always trying to think ahead and um, do cool stuff and mm-hmm. keep it fresh. Is there fresh. a reason you guys use a Boveda over a Boost? This is a really interesting question. <laughs> so when over the first, call it two to three years of legalization, dry weed was one of the biggest issues. Yeah. And yeah. so we kind of had a bit of a paranoia around it saying like, okay, well, we got to have a humidity pack in there. Um, which one are we going to go with? It's Boveda or Boost. I, used, I called them Boveda for years, but after having talked to them, it's apparently Boveda. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so... I had a chance to speak to both uh, Boost and uh, and Bovida and kind of compare. 
And sugar and salt is my understanding. That one is sugar based and one salt based. Is that it in your findings? Or? I, I think that is fair. One is a salt based solution, the bovida, and the other one I think is a glucose glucose solution, okay. which would be sugar. Um, so accurate. Uh, we basically asked for the science. We said, you know, show us your papers. This is the use case that we expect it to be in. You know, sitting on a shelf um, for you know three, maybe six months. And uh, you know, have you tested the the terp degradation across that timeline? And you know, yada yada. And Bovida provided us not exactly what we we're looking for, but pretty darn close. And it showed that they had kind of done the research, et cetera, et cetera. What Boost had provided us was a what almost felt like a hit piece on Bovida's technology. Right. And basically saying like, you know, our stuff's great, but look at this study that was put together that says how terrible their stuff is. Their stuff's, you know, borderline dangerous to put in your products. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, mm. you know. I feel a little bit conflicted about that because, uh, especially on the legacy side, like we've been using Boda for years. Yeah. So the further I kind of got into it and the further I looked into the study and the methodology, et cetera, et cetera, the less kind of credibility that study had for me. And the rest of my dealings with, uh, with Boost were not as encouraging. There wasn't a lot of trust being built there. Whereas in my dealings with Boda, it seemed like a family business. Like they, they, you know, they were reachable. They, um, they wanted to help. They were willing to work with us. They, they sent us some samples, like a lot of samples, yeah. um, you know, like just all kinds of things that you would want from a, from a business partner. And so that's where we really made the decision. Interesting. Now, whether or not we're going to keep a humidity pack is a completely different conversation. Do you okay. want to get into that? Yeah, yeah, why not? Like, honestly, that's something that I brought up a while ago because I know that, like, yeah, shelf life sucks, and that's really, like, a thorn in everybody's yeah. side for retailers and licensed producers, I would say, right now. Um, but there is the argument is still out. Like, if weed's cured and dried and hung properly, you shouldn't really need above it. I was right? going to say, too, like, does it have, okay, because I know you guys never irradiate, which is, I love that. Hmm. Is there, like, a correlation between like having the moisture packs in there and non-irradiating and maintaining like a proper moisture content, I guess. Not quite. The The need for uh, radiation tends to happen because your microbial load is too much, mold, mm. things like that. Yeah. yeah. And we run a ridiculously clean facility um, with like, you know, they're not actual airlocks, but effective airlock after airlock with PPE and, you know, getting dressed up like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I forgot where, where we're going with this. That's okay. I was just kind of wondering, like, um, I guess we were touching, you were going to say why you aren't going to be using the moisture packs anymore. Right, right, yeah, right. Okay. So uh, we had some feedback from our growers, from our sales team, okay. and from like all kinds of people that we trust. They're like, dude, you got to get the bovida out of your uh, weed. It's muting the terps. Okay. It seals the terps. It seals the terps. It's all, yeah. there's a lot, lot of kind of, kind of, Chatter around that. Definitely, that's the current that, the current sure. ch chatter I've yeah. been hearing is a lot of people <laughs> think it does actually take away terps. Mm -hmm. I find that when the use of a bovida, even when I was in Legacy, it would be like if something was too dry and it started to get to a point, then you would want to use one. But to keep it from it. a bovida at that prime state, that's when I think you kind of get that that theft happens. Am I right? Could be. So I, I'll, I'll tell you what we've done. Um, your theory. Sorry, I'll let you do it. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. So first, uh, kind of 
put some feelers out into the, the larger network to see what the feedback was like. And yeah. we heard a lot of the same chatter. So we thought, all right, why don't we put up a poll on Reddit? So yeah. uh, to the r slash the OCS and, uh, and to the, the same one in BC and basically said, do you want a Bovida in your pack or do you not? Mm-hmm. And the votes were three to one wanting the Bovida in the pack. Interesting. However, the comment section was perhaps three to one saying, get that shit out of there. <laughs> the comments are where everything pops off for sure. So, you know, at least the more vocal uh, crowd was okay. saying, get it out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just, it kind of showed the two different factions and, and you know, um, arguing over something that had truly yet to be settled. And as the, you know, the cannabis nerds that we are, we're like, well, shit, it's not that hard. Let's just test it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, about four months ago, three months ago, we did a packaging run and we did three cases with the Bovidas and three cases without. Um, so same crop, same package on date, same lot, all that kind of stuff. And over the last three months, we have been popping jars. Crazy. So on a, on a basically once a month, um, we've had our, our head growers and other folks like that, um, come together and crack three jars of, uh, the ones with Bovida, three without blindfolded, not being able to tell. And basically saying, which one do you prefer? Mm. And a lot of these people had an expectation that they would be able to see exactly what was going on, be able to tell which one was which, and would have a strong preference for the one without the bovra. This was not the case. Really? Interesting. The most consistent feedback that we've had is people can't tell the difference. Uh. And and it's been it's been a little bit. Uh, it's been fun seeing people who have like a tremendous amount of confidence in their nose and being able to tell this stuff and being able to go back and forth and then saying like, I'm not sure which one's which. And then finally picking one and then realizing they picked the one with the bovin and being like, oh shit. Um, so, you know, there's, it, it's been fun. And however, one of the things that was really important to us is that, because I personally expected the one without the bovin to have a slightly stronger nose for it to be more pronounced okay. and wanted to know if that was because the, the bovin was stealing terps or if perhaps the terps were oxidizing in the air around the jar and it just made for, you know, a nicer uh, kind of aroma, but not necessarily a nicer smoke because those terps got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have not only done the, the kind of blind taste uh, and smell test. We are also sending these jars to the lab. And one of the things that we found, we're still waiting for test number three, but what we found on test number one and two is that the terps had reduced by almost a full percent Wow! without the bovida. Without the bovida. So there you go, man. Huh. <laughs> I think huh. that's funny. Everyone <laughs> will continue to have their crazy opinions on that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, sheesh, that's impressive. Yeah. you gonna, Have you ever had sheesh before? Sheesh. No, this is going to be my first. A little morning sheesh for uh, <laughs> for Walker. Let's get the, the review. So yeah, it's made with real Niagara cherry juice and then uh, real cane sugar. So it really has like this artisanal uh, soda vibe. Let us know what you think. I find that like you can kind of taste the Haas rosin, but it's not like, it's like complimentary. It's palatable. Flavor. It's not like, uh, and it doesn't like residually hang out on your tongue or anything. Tastes yeah. great. Ch- tastes like a cherry cola with you know, a little bit of magic sauce. Right. <laughs> I always say the Bolin's cherry. You know the Bolin's in a bottle with mm. the like that that one. That's the one I always mm. like to compare it to. But that's just me. <laughs> Um, what's up with these filter tips? I noticed that, did, did you, is this oh, your yeah. design? I remember you had mentioned that earlier. So I think that a lot of us kind of hang out on the coach rolling joints. We have ideas where we're like, oh, it'd be cool if I had something like this, or if I, my papers were like this or whatever. And, uh, just 
somebody actually gave me the money to do it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, so the, the poker stick uh, we've discussed and uh, is pretty straightforward. The filter tips um, are one that I actually did uh, introduce a little bit more design to. There's a perforation pattern um, basically across which lets you choose four different filter sizes, um, which means that I can have the filter size that I want and that yeah. I always use and that other people can also have the filter size that they want. So they have to complain to me that I made the wrong filter size. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good because, yeah, some people are picky about their filters for sure. And perhaps also worth mentioning that we tested about 20, 25 different uh, papers um, for this, different thicknesses and uh, corrugated or not corrugated, but like recycled and stuff like that. Cool. And um, and. The goal was to find something with as much uh, kind of flexion, with as much thickness and strength as possible without paper that folded over in on itself. Because we've all kind of used those super thick business cards to roll oh, yeah. uh, filter tests before. And it just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The They're dope, man. Up, They're really yeah. cool. I just scanned the little QR code and got your, takes me to this Vimeo, this product knowledge. That's interesting. Oh, I'll check that out later. That. Yeah. So that's, uh, as we've been kind of going out and visiting stores, we usually leave um, like uh, rolling papers and filter tips behind for the bud tender to let them know that if they scan the QR code on the back, it'll take them to the behind the scenes video that we just put out. Um, and yeah, you get to see the the plants, you get to meet the growers, mm -hmm. see the town of Nelson. I actually um, watched it yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I noticed, I like how you guys do that, like a vertical stack in your vertical facility. Farming. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a cool approach. Uh, a small secret about uh, Woody Nelson is that um, a big part of what we're trying to do is uh, the technology piece. Right. Um, so vertical farming, um, just indoor farming in general is something that... Uh, Maximizing real estate, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Is that mostly what it's about? Just unlocking that potential of all that height in your warehouse? Well, that's certainly part of it. And uh, we have some economies as a result of being able to do things indoors and to do triple tier, et cetera, et cetera. But we're also recognizing that um, as you know, food security continues to change, um, as... Like, a lot of the food that we get comes from like the other side of the world mm -hmm. and that if we could become a little bit more thoughtful and perhaps innovative in how we produce our food, we'd be able to reduce carbon footprints. Um, we could eat things that were within a hundred miles, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we think that there's a, perhaps a, a technological, technological farming revolution on the horizon somewhere in that 20 to 30 year range. And a lot of that technology that's going to be developed, um, you can't develop it growing tomatoes and lettuce because it's price per gram isn't there. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're growing, you know, beautiful cannabis, mm. there's a little bit more of a budget for that R&D. So as we kind of learn how to do all this with cannabis plants, we hope to discover some of the, the rhyme and reason for doing it with other kinds of crops. And mm. uh, whether you're talking about ruby Roman grapes uh, that are, you know, the super rare grapes from, I think, Japan, uh, or like, you know, any like vanilla, Madagascar vanilla and stuff like that. Imagine being able to grow that in a warehouse in, you know, Scarborough. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, unlocks a lot of cool things. I'm always fascinated with uh, the technology side of production and yeah. and agriculture. And so that's really cool that Whitney Nelson takes that initiative is trying to use technology to push it forward. Yeah. Um, where did I want to finish this up? Uh, when is the actual coming out? Can you tell us <laughs> that's where I want to know? Cause you got to send me one. I'm super excited for that. That's probably what I'm taking away from this, uh, today. Okay. So it's like super ultra small batch. Um, just going to one retailer in BC. So it's going to be hard okay. to get one. Go oh yeah. It'll it's, be rare. it's super rare, but we'll talk afterwards. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that we're going to be shipping that in the next uh, week or so. 
Cool. Um, so that should be out in the marketplace in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Is it going to be like just like a couple hundred and see how it goes kind of thing? And if it's worth kind of pushing out? A little bit. I think it's going to be about 300 total. Uh, okay. And do we want to do it more? Absolutely. We love Terrence. We love, uh, you know, the team that he comes with. And we want to continue to create opportunities like this. It, I think there's a lot of room for us internally to streamline the process and make things easier for someone like him. Yeah. And to almost uh, turn it into a bit of a turnkey solution. And so that's something that uh, that's work that we got to do. But um, just doing uh, the handmade infused uh, joints where you it could be resin, it could be rosin, it could be both rainbow driver, it could be, um, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of cool flavor combinations. And like maybe you want to mix something with from wildcard extracts with some simply bare stuff like there's mm. all kinds of options here. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think we see in other developed markets, even New York, New York starting to happen or like um, California, like hash holes are just very popular. I've noticed that they're starting to take over. So I think it'll be really cool to see one in the Canadian market and yeah. uh, the possibilities of collaborations within the market is really cool because somebody's got to make the rosin and somebody's got to grow the flower and then someone's even got to roll it. Like shout out yeah. to all the, the pro <laughs> rollers and Terrence, like you said. Um, so that's, that's really cool. In my opinion, um, an actual innovation. Like we always talk on the show about how innovation, everybody rushes to it and they don't think it out properly, but this is mm -hmm. like a product that's obviously doing well in other places and we don't have very many of them here. So I think it's really smart, man. Yeah. Sorry. I'm really excited for it. Thank you. And like we do plenty of rushing, I think along with the rest of this industry, um, you know, just trying to always make things happen, um, with the, the limited amount of time that you have, of course, yeah. but, uh, we are well-intentioned. Um, we tend to find ways to make things work. And um, and I think that this product is a great example of that. Yeah. And you're not cutting corners with the botanical terps. So yeah, none nice. of that. <laughs> no, not, not our style. Yeah. None of that. And uh, I think also it would be great to have like the strain-specific flower with yeah. the strain-specific rosin. Um, hey, guys. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to call the sheesh hotline before we say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for the day i gotta open the shop soon so we'll yeah. call the she shot one and uh we'll wrap it up maybe any last questions we have for um walker hell yeah <laughs> thanks for calling the sheesh hotline are you stoned press zero and tell us about it matter of fact tell us whatever just hash it out you might end up on our instagram good morning sheesh sheesh <laughs> leave a message at the tone it's me every time. Every time. <laughs> Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Sheesh. And Jackie. And Jackie. <laughs> We're with our boy Walker here. Walker, what do you think of Sheesh Soda? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty he good. likes it. <laughs> yeah. He tastes um, the Niagara cherry juice. What'd you say? You said it was uh, a great cherry cola. Or, uh, yeah, it tastes like a really nice cherry cola. That's it. You get the two thumbs way up from Woody Nelson. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's it. Talk soon. Bye, Maddie. That's it. Um, thanks for joining us this week. Um, if you have any questions for uh, for Walker, send them to Sean at Higher Orbit. Um, or for Carly or I, don't forget, you can win a rip tip yeah. still. So we just need those questions. It's that easy. Uh, don't forget to follow, is it WoodyNelson.Cannabis? Woody.Nelson.Cannabis. There we go. <laughs> and uh, look out for those hash holes in BC anyways. So we won't be getting that. See if you your hands on one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's National Hash Hole Day, too. Is that the 30th? Today? It's tomorrow. Oh. No, tomorrow. It is National okay. Hash Hole Day. They're trying to make it a thing. <laughs> really? I forgot to mention that. We'll leave it on That's that hilarious. note. <laughs> That's it. All right, guys. Have a good one. We'll see, see you next week. Thank you. Diagnostic complete.
All systems functioning normally. <laughs>